0: Welcome to the Dr. Dads Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins, and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Everybody, this is the Dr. Dads coming at you again. Dr. Nicholas, what's up, my brother?
1: Just another day of paradise, buddy. I, I tell you what, I mean, I learned so much from the last time we had uh, Dr. Perry on that I just cannot wait to dive into more of his information. The guy's full of life and laughter and love, and, and it's amazing what he's been sharing, and every person who comes in the clinic has to listen to that podcast, so uh, I'm excited for more today.
0: Yeah, man, great response from part one, and everyone's asking me, well, what are we going to talk about in part two? And, you know, I was sitting down today, I was like, man, there's just so many things I can talk to Perry about. But let's narrow it down to some of the more important things I've learned from him so far that I really want to hone in on so other people can learn, because I feel like these are very important topics. Um, Perry, thanks for joining us again today, man. looking forward to part two i have a feeling you're going to be kind of a resident at least once to twice a year with us because we like you and love your stuff so much so <laughs> we may have to get you out here as you keep expanding your knowledge and teaching more just to keep learning from you, man. i would
2: absolutely love that thank you both very much i'm very grateful thrilled and honored to be back for uh a round two that's that's always a good sign if people Want me to come back with something, and uh, I'm very glad that your
0: uh, listeners enjoyed the first episode. I'm, I'm ready, man. Let's do this. Awesome. So, Perry, last time we took a deep dive into the lymph system, you, you gave a lot of analogies, a lot of the science, a lot of the, the why. This is such an important system, and it's overlooked and things like that. Uh, before we get into to a little more of the lymph, real quick, I really want to start with you explaining – the whole concept of why you chose stop chasing pain and what that means to you. Cause I feel like it's a foundation of everything on your teaching and it kind of plays into everything that we're going to learn today from you as well. Like we did last time. So can you just talk a little bit about that? I'd love to. <clears throat> I, um, I
2: definitely love the name, man. I mean, it kind of, let me tell you the story about how I came across the name. Maybe that would, would help. Um, So, since early on in my career beginning chiropractic, it's always been in the back of my mind of, you know, not just learning how to treat people through the techniques, but I was always curious of, okay, well, why does this stuff always keep coming back? I mean, it was really frustrating me, honestly, and I was really close to quitting my profession. I was that fed up because I didn't want to just keep having people come on in and they say it hurts here. And then I learned all these great therapies that you would do right to where they point. Right. And honestly, that's not, I always joke, that's not rocket surgery. That's not really difficult to do. It's like just point here and then do something to it and let's cross our fingers and then hopefully it'll stick. And here's the thing. I mean, it didn't stick. And then, um, I felt like I was just chasing pain all over the body, but it didn't occur to me at the time to use that name. It actually came across to me uh, at a workshop that I attended with my mentor who completely changed my life and he 's a physical therapist by trade, and his name is Gray Cook. You may be familiar with him and greg cook um wrote a a book about movement and he created in the industry what's called the functional movement screen fms and it was basically looking at how someone moves in order to maybe determine um you know, what might be going on with them so it's the first time i started to get into movement and then <clears throat> I went to a workshop that he was giving here in New Jersey. It was the brand new launch of the more medical based side of that program. And I remember it just like it happened. It was um, like 10 people in the room, uh, a white slide came up and three words in red appeared, And it said, stop chasing pain. And it just hit me like a truck. And I'm like, that's it. Because they were talking about this very subject. They said, the way that you're going to help people who have pain is to find the non-painful dysfunction in the body. Like areas that don't hurt, but don't function at optimum. And for us, that meant like joints don't move as well as they should. That's the big one or joints or areas are not as stable as that That means you can't control movement well, but you don't have pain there, so you think everything's okay, right? You don't pay attention to it. And it hit me. Those things collided, and I I stopped listening to what they were saying. I just went to my phone, which was a Blackberry at the time. That tells you how long ago (laughs) it was. So I had to do those little numbers, you know, with my fingers. And I went to, like, GoDaddy, and I did a domain name search. Stop chasing pain. Please, nobody have this name. Please, nobody have this name. And then nobody had the name, and then I snagged it right there. And then it's that old adage, you know, just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. It's way easier. So then I went up to Gray afterwards, and I said, Gray, man, do you mind if I take that name, stop chasing pain? Because I just think it's a great business name. Is sure, absolutely. And then that was the moment that this began to grow and so my whole maybe you could call it paradigm or a context the way i look at the body now is that um, i'm going to treat where you have pain so don't get me wrong so so let's say for an example uh, somebody comes in and they have like right shoulder pain in the past i would Concentrate on your right shoulder and I would treat your right shoulder and do all sorts of different modalities there and I'll still do that but I'm going to look everywhere else first because that's usually where you're going to find the ultimate cause of that issue and for me that was so exciting it made practice fun for because I had to become a detective it was more of an exploration not just let me treat here put you on the table three times a week before weeks and let's reassess. I became like this kid again, and I began to look at all the areas of the body and uh, see where you might have dysfunction or pain that you didn't know about, and then I started to have great results. Like, uh, it was amazing, and I would say, okay, well, if the right shoulder hurts, maybe it's something to do with your opposite side hip, your left hip, which is a very common pattern in pain because those joints relate to each other in a walking pattern for humans. And I'd go to the other opposite side hip, and people would say, Doc, this is crazy, but could that make my shoulder feel better? It actually feels better. And it started to eventually click. But here's the thing that I noticed after years of doing that. I was still only focused on the musculoskeletal system at that time. So if your right shoulder hurt, I would look at your left hip joint, your left muscles, the left fascia. I didn't pay attention to well what about all those other organs and things that <laughs> sit in between your right shoulder and your left hip so then that got me to begin to focus more on uh, other parts of the body you know and, and then that's how stop chasing pain was created and then people told me when they saw the name on a shirt they go they would say what that's a cool name man what does that mean and then it was a perfect like that's, that's how I knew I had something um, that I ran with. And I think that was, geez, going on 10 years ago. And I trademarked the name. So Stop Chasing Pain is a trademark name.
0: And it's a great one, man. You know, it's funny. I listened to your story, and my journey has been very similar in nature, right? I mean, we get out of school. We just go to the area they're complaining about. You start messing with it, and you're like, okay, why are they still coming back with the same problem, Right. And then as soon as I started learning, looking elsewhere, again, I started to see improvements and this led me to systems. And, you know, we talked about the body hierarchy last time. And and it's just, it's funny to watch that journey play out. If you just dig deep enough and you have enough curiosity as a doctor, you know, when you just want to get more, more results, you know, better results and just faster results with your patients. And, And honestly, that's what's brought me. I mean, that's why I love learning from a guy like you, because it's just like, I'm going deeper and just, like, broadening my knowledge even more about more systems I didn't know about that I know can be impactful in helping my patients. So, love it, man. I mean, it speaks to me so much. I mean, anybody who's been on that journey, when you hear that, like you're saying, stop chasing pain, you totally get it because it's absolutely true. Um, So, real quick, man. You've got to give us this, this lesson on the body aquarium. Uh, I heard in one of your workshops, you talked about the body aquarium, but you showed a big picture of a big aquarium with all the, all the filter below it and the piping system. Can you go back into the lymphatic system and talk a little bit about, give people that picture of this aquarium and why it's so important that this system is addressed and is given that perspective a little bit. Yeah, I'd be happy to.
2: First of all, thank you very much. And, um, actually came up with a body aquarium analogy after trying to learn how to be a better teacher overall over these last 26 years of, you know, if you got a lot of things that you know and you want to try to help somebody and change another person's life, you've got to find good ways to communicate it. Um, So you can make that difference. And it's just because I learned early on that just because you know the information doesn't mean it's going to translate to uh, changing someone's life or behavior. And I I learned it just because I'm saying something that makes sense doesn't mean it's making a difference. So that means that something's lost in translation. And I saw something, you know, how some gems stick with you that said when you study the brain and learning, It's much easier for your brain to grasp a new concept if you can tie it to an existing one that you already know of. So then it's like, oh, well, okay, I got it. That's what an analogy is. That's why using analogies is one of the best ways that you can learn because it makes sense. So when I started to want to talk about the lymphatic system for for those that might not be familiar with what that is because they they had listened to the prior episode. It's a system in your body that is a, a filtration system, a filter system, a detoxification system. And it's actually the primary system of your body that gets rid of the things that we don't want inside of the body that can slowly begin to break us down and cause degeneration and decay or sickness or illness. And that's where it takes care of the toxins that come in from the outside world, the toxins from inside the body that get made just from cells dying every day and you making new ones. They call that metabolic waste. And so it gets rid of that. It gets rid of bacteria, uh, viruses, parasites fungus, cancer cells, I mean pretty much anything that you can think of that gets in the body that the body doesn't want any longer, uses it to get out. And so it's a big filter system like sewage system. When it works well, you've got a really good chance of staying healthy or if you get sick, uh, getting better way faster and being stronger and more resilient. It doesn't mean that you're not going to ever get sick because you need to get sick. That's part of being healthy. That's something you learn in the long term that you need to get sick so you can be stronger and more resilient. But if it doesn't work well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to struggle. You're really, really going to struggle. And uh, so I said, okay, well, how can I get people familiar with what the system is? Because most people don't know what the system is. They've really never heard of it um, unless they've heard the word cancer. because when Hear the word cancer, they talk about how cancer cells can spread anywhere through the body and metastasize, which means travel, and with cancer. And it's true. Which, first of all, should tell you a lot about that system. That if it can send cancer anywhere in the body, that means it goes everywhere in the body. <laughs> that means it's a little bit uh important. And uh but how do I get them to understand how simple it is that it's not really complicated because it can become overwhelming. And I got to be honest with, you, there's a lot of people in the medical community that really don't understand what the lymphatic system does because we didn't really spend much time on it when we got our education. So I use this and I just said, listen, um, have any of you guys ever seen a, 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 a fish tank aquarium? And everybody goes, sure. And, most people have owned efficients at some point in time. But you know that with the aquarium, you've got liquid inside, and that's pretty much the liquid of your body, inside your body. And you are mostly water. You are mostly liquid. And most of your tissues in the body are actually water, too. Your lymphatic system is 90% water, and so is your brain. So your brain is pretty much mush. And so... You have this vessel of your skin that holds everything in, and that's the tank. But inside the water is all the fish that you put in there, and then you can think of those as living cells. That's the way your body is. It has living cells, trillions of them, so there's a lot of fish in there, and they live in that fluid-filled environment. And... Just like fish, your cells need nutrients. So you feed the fish with your fish food. You feed your cells when you stick food in your mouth. Those fish take in that food, and then after they use the food, they poop and pee in the water, right? They excrete toxins and waste inside the same water. Your cells do the same thing, trillions of them. They take the nutrients in, they take the oxygen in, and then they use it, and then they excrete the waste in the same water. But we know that to have a fish tank that remains beautiful, you have to have a filtration system. Most of the time you'll see this little filter in the corner and there's bubbles coming out of it, right? There's bubbles and it keeps movement in the water. And then underneath the fist tank, hidden from view that you don't see, is all this massive piping filter system. Like, depending on the size of the tank, it's massive. And all that water has to get filtered through, and then it comes back out inside the tank. And then you have to maintain that aquarium and check the pH levels, right? And you get, and you check to make sure that all these numbers are when the right ratio of your pH. Well, the same thing happens to your body. You have to have a, a pH level, acid level in your body, just like a fish tank or a pool. That if it stays in a certain range, then that optimizes life. That optimizes oxygen in the system and it takes and makes sure that you don't get an overabundance of bacteria or fungus or toxins and things like that the lymphatic system is that filter system for your body aquarium. and then i ask people this what would happen to that tank if the filter system went started to not work it was malfunctioning you wouldn't notice a difference right away right and everything would look great like nothing's wrong but slowly over time, maybe a few days or a few, probably a few days, but definitely within weeks, you would start to see the water become very murky. It gets like green, and it's no longer moving, so it becomes stagnant, and stagnant water that doesn't move, we know what that looks like in nature. Yucky things grow there bacteria, viruses, fungus, and they say, don't ever drink from one of those streams because you're going to get sick. Of course you are. Why are you going to get sick? Because you got bad stuff living in there. And the same thing happens to your body. You don't notice something right away, but it creeps up over time, right? And then we start to get stuff that the tank would get. And then eventually, when you look at the fish, the fish uh, get all these... Scales on them, they start to get growths on them, and then eventually, what's going to happen to the fish? They're going to die, they're going to go belly up, right? Well, the same thing happens to your body is that you actually will start to have cells that no longer can keep themselves regenerating and alive, and you're going to struggle to make new ones. Because think about that fish tank. If I took all those dead fish out and I'm like, I'm just going to put brand new fish in there, but I didn't fix the filter system, what's going to happen to those fish? They're going to gonna get the same damn thing. They're going to struggle too. Well, that's what happens with the human body is we do everything to what's inside of the tank, but we don't fix the tank. We don't fix the environment. And I came across a quote once that said, you cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. You cannot get well in the same environment you became ill within. I said, that's super powerful, man. So then I thought to myself, what kind of environment are my cells living in? If if, I, if there was an environment around my cells that gave me chronic disease, well, I better change that environment quick, fast, and in a hurry. And you can only do that, in my opinion, when your lymphatic system is functioning well. And what we do in medicine is, is that we do this approach. And we say, okay, well, we've got a problem with the tank. That's the surface stuff. So what we'll do is we'll empty out the water, we'll take out the rocks, the castles, we'll clean off the grime and all that stuff that's slippery slime stuff, that's called biofilm, well that grows inside of your body too, and that's where parasites and toxins live, and then you'll clean the glass, I'll rinse everything off, I'll put it in there, I'll put brand new water in there, I'll check that pH level and stuff like that, put new fish in there, but I won't touch the damn tank, I won't touch the filter. Well, guess what comes back? The same problem. Like, I'm going to give an example. The same shoulder pain, the same back pain, the same hip pain, right? So I'm like, why are you blaming the damn fish? It's not the fish's fault, right? You, you got to change where the fish is living. It's that same kind of analogy that I read once about a flower. If your flower is dying, don't blame the flower. So you got to check what the environment's like that the flowers live in. It's not the flowers' fault. So it's the same thing with the fish. And what I did is I said, if you can keep your tank clean, then your cells can function, have the ability to function at their optimum. And then I put a contrast picture. Here's a really beautiful crystal. I mean, the water looks pristine. The fish are thriving in there on top. And then below, I put a tank that was disgusting. It was green and algae and fungus. And I always, I have, I usually show people this is a picture. It's like, which one of these would you rather be living in? And then any sane person will pick the one on top. And then I'm like, well, imagine if you were like the bottom. You're really going to struggle. And then everybody says the same thing. That makes total sense, Doc. And I'm like, I know, doesn't it? And you first have to fix that system that keeps that tank looking well. But because it's hidden, because it's out of view, but doing all the heavy lifting, nobody looks at it. Nobody gives it the respect that it deserves. But that's the most important part of the entire system is the filtration system. So Body Aquarium Lymphatic Mojo, Body Aquarium is that. Lymphatic stands for the lymphatic system. Mojo I used because Mojo, I chose that word specifically because it means magic. And to me, it's the magic of the amazing changes that you're going to see when you start to implement very simple changes with the lymphatic system. That'll blow your mind. So it seems like magic, even though it's not when you understand how the system works. It's also the magic of somebody getting their life back and, and getting hope back and feeling better when they were feeling lost. And then when I looked up Mojo even further, it was perfect because Mojo also means voodoo, which means sometimes I got no freaking idea of why it works so well. I'm just going, it's going to like voodoo. It's going to do stuff and I'm just going to go by, I think this is why it's working based on the science that we know that we know. But it always falls back to the quote that I use all the time is that the human body is under no obligation to make sense to you. Like it doesn't care if you understand why it got better or why it didn't get better or if you agree with it or if it makes sense or not. It's just going to keep doing its thing. Um, And maybe it says, hopefully these humans will figure it out one day because it's really not that difficult. (laughs) And so I know I've been going on for a long time because I get really excited about this stuff, but that's the premise of Body Aquarium. And I really believe, because of using that name, it's made it much more accessible to people that probably would never have looked at this program before because if it came from another perspective, they would not see how it could be relevant to them or it would seem too uh complicated. And a lot of people message me, and say, Doc, I'm not a healthcare professional, I I don't have a degree. Can I learn that program? And that actually breaks my heart, because I say, yes, you can, because every single human being should learn this material. And trust me, you're smart enough to learn it. It's just big fancy words that they're throwing at you that don't be intimidated by the words, because once you understand the concept of something, the words have no meaning at all. The words don't mean anything. So I jokingly say when I teach to people that come on my webcast, because I have doctors and I have plumbers, I've got Everybody in between, and then I say to them, "Okay." <clears throat> so if I hold this up and I say, "Okay, this is what you call a lymphangion," and a lymphangion is that thing that opens and closes in there. So I'm like, "Don't turn off your brain because I call it a lymphangion, right?" So I'm just going to say, "I want you to call this. It is now a paperclip." So this paperclip opens and closes to keep the lymph from going. So once you understand what it does, I don't care what the hell you call it. It doesn't matter what you call it. You just need to understand, oh, the paperclip does that. And then they get it, right? Does that make sense? That we need to make sure that people feel like they can do these things. And I purposely made that name and I made it super duper like beyond easy simple for anybody to start. Oh, okay, I'm going to breathe now.
0: No, that was great, man. And honestly, Perry, you are empowering so many people because of the way you do simplify it, like Nick was talking a little bit last time, is this ability for you to give these analogies, simplify the materials, so that people are empowered to actually take grip of their own health and start being able to address some things. Doc, Doctor means teacher, right? It, it
2: doesn't mean sitting on top of the mountain is the omnipotent one. It means teacher where you know you need to find ways to empower people to learn and not be afraid of what their body is trying to do to them. I didn't mean to cut you off. I oh,
0: know you're fine. Now, the other thing I was going to say is I love how you you took it to talking about an environment because that's the biggest piece of the message. You know, me and Nick always talk. Nick loves I love his Nick does a talk on terrain all the time of the cell and You know, it was one of those things, like, when I started learning more from you about the lymphatic system, I realized, like, holy crap, like, all these things we're trying to influence with the environment, and we're missing one of the biggest pieces that actually plays a role in all of these things, and so, for (laughs) me as a doctor, oh, it's crazy, man, so me as a doctor, it's very empowering to finally, like, it's kind of like seeing the light, and then you're like, oh, this really needs to be addressed for me to be successful at all these other things, so... So that's huge, man. So, And Nick, I'm sure you would, would agree with me on the terrain piece there.
1: Oh, 100%. Well, it's funny because I bought – my 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 boys are now six and nine, but when my oldest was probably five years old, maybe four – no, for his fourth-year-old fourth birthday, he got a, an aquarium. He got a little Siamese fighting fish, and that thing didn't have a filter on it. And so that thing got gross real fast. And we eventually upgraded to a five-gallon tank <laughs> – and, man, I did not take care of that tank. It was gross every, like, two months or so, and I would eventually clean it. And, and I'd, every time i pull up the filter, I'm like, holy crap, this filter is clogged. And so I keep getting these messages. And, and when I talked to the guy at the fish store, he blew me away. It was like talking to a doctor. He's like, check the pH. Their microbiome needs to be set up. You got to use the same water. You don't want to clear out all the water. You don't want to clean it. But like he, he was so specific about the terrain of this fish tank. And then, you know, fast forward to, you know, I first got exposed to your stuff when David shared it with me back in, I don't know, it was late August or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's the body of cream. <laughs> like, that's that's totally it. That, that was this teaching that this fish store guy was trying to teach me. And here I am, like receiving that information as a doctor, and going, "Man, that totally makes sense for the body too." And and then here you are putting it all together. So it's just funny, like the little messages I think that we get in our lives, and and you get those little examples. But the the fact that this is available for people who aren't just doctors, because every time I, I share some of your nuggets with the people that that I'm I'm sharing with, I, I'm realizing like this is actually putting that doctor or physician back into their hands. Like they get to be their own therapist and they get to take care of themselves and I love that you make this accessible to not just doctors I think that's a huge part of your gift because how many doctors get to be in a role that you're in share these really intricate details in a simplified enough way that you know a house mom can do it and not to belittle the intelligence of house moms out there because we know they're superheroes but uh, just the fact that it can be more accessible is amazing And, and I think you've done something that's crossed a boundary that most doctors will never have access to so thank you and continue. These are great questions. Oh,
2: thank you very much. I really appreciate that. I I actually en- enjoy trying to make it simple because man, it really forces you to try to learn something. Yeah. You know, I think it was Einstein or, you know, who knows who said anything anymore when you look at Google, but, uh, uh you know, it said you don't understand it unless you're going to explain it to a five-year-old. So you got to make it simple and make it simple, make it simple, make it simple. Um, But it's not easy to do that, right? And then, so I love it because it helps me, it's helped me learn that fundamental concept. But I I really wanted to do that because when I was teaching it early on, uh, people were struggling to get it. And that's why I just had to keep digging a little bit deeper and deeper until I did help them flip that switch. And it was very interesting, right? When you look at something like the the person who was teaching you with that aquarium, we know that in relationship to keeping fish alive, how how can medicine not see that that should be a fundamental concept to keep you alive, the cells of your body alive? And when you when you come across this work, you you can't unsee it. Like you're never gonna look at the body this thing, When I tell people about this course, I say. You're going to leave. You may not agree with what I'm going to tell you, but you'll never look at the body the same way again. That much I can guarantee you. So it will expand you to look at many, many different things. And I think it was Einstein who said this one too, or some other really smart guy who said, when a mind expanded to its new dimension can never go back to its original state, right? Like once you got the, once the lymph burrows in your brain and you have a lot of lymph in your brain, by the way, Then you'll see it from that context and here's the cool thing it it changed because whenever i look at a person i'm visualizing like what i'm what's happening underneath all these different systems right so let's say um before i came across lymph that i'm um i'm digging in your right shoulder because your shoulder hurts and you have a lot of what they call lymph node clusters there are clusters of nodes that gather together and kill a lot of things that travel from one node to the next node to the next node. And before, when I was digging in there, I would be like, okay, I'm getting into your pec minor muscle. I'm stripping into your anterior oblique sling of fascia, right? And then I'm getting into your shoulder capsule. And then if I'm lucky, I'll say I'm getting into your brachial plexus. But I never, ever once considered um, pressing into major lymphatic stagnation congestion area as well. It never even crossed my mind that it was there. So once I knew that it was there and how it relates to all the other lymph areas in the body, everything made sense. The reason this was so powerful for me, guys, because I was looking for that one answer of why all these people would struggle, why all these systems would struggle, because the environment was not conducive to healing. So it's it's not what you're going to be doing to the person per se that makes the difference. Is it? Is that person's body receptive to the healing process? If it's not, then I don't care what you're doing to it. And that's, that's really huge for people to understand that the, the person's body has to be able to, um, to be receptive and open to what you're doing. So what I learned is that you could be doing the right thing for someone, but it still doesn't help. Why? Because the environment's not ready yet. Once you get the environment ready, just that little flip, like, Shifting it from here to there, that one small thing um, made the difference in all of my work. It was it was a profound moment in my uh, life as a, a person trying to help people, but also for myself, because everything finally made sense of what I was looking for for 26 years in this business of. Healthcare. That's why I'm an absolute maniac now, and I just don't stop. And I just want to try to get everybody to see that what what I saw that that excitement for me. So I still get excited. I mean, every time I talk about this stuff, is just as exciting as the first time I talked about
0: it. Well, I love that you say that last part, man, because I think a lot of patients just need to hear that from the end of understanding that if they're not. Healing. Maybe it's not necessarily because the people they visited are doing the wrong things, but maybe they're not going deep enough. Maybe they're not, you know, doing enough. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about simple lifestyle changes. I mean, me and Nick have this sign on our desk that we show our patients. You know, before you heal someone, ask him if he's willing to give up the things that made him sick. Right, and that's like my only qualifying question Mm -hmm. i get patients. You know, a lot of times I tell them, like, look, an adjustment isn't going to make you better. I'll tell you right now, I can go in there on the table, adjust you and it's not going to get rid of your problem. And I tell them like, there's some bigger changes needed to take place here to allow your body to get into that healing mode. And it's so important, man. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people just need to hear that message because I remember early on in my career, they're just people walking to the door, they just think there's a shortcut, right? They think there's the quick fix. They think there's a the snake oil. They think, they're, oh, I'm just going to go to this next guy. And they just jump doctor to doctor to doctor thinking, he's just going to do this treatment. It's just going to go away, and I'm going to be good, right? And it's just not there. I mean, you know that. I, we all know that. So just such yeah. an important message, huh? If you go back and you you were talking before
2: about how you, know, you got your, t- your little son's fishbowl, it didn't have a filter, but then you actually got a filter, right? But you realize that even though I have a filter, I still have to do some sort of work with the filter. Like, but it doesn't have to be overwhelming where you just, if you don't do anything to something and then three weeks later, it's going to be a hot mess. You just need to do small daily things, right? That the little tiny daily things to make sure that everything stays well. In the tank. And then that's my whole thing now. I use a couple of phrases where I say it's little and often over the long haul. Little things done often over the long haul will make you an absolute resilient monster. And uh, you use little tiny action steps to do it. I'll call them LTAs. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing to make a big difference, it's a little one, it's tiny but frequent is what you wanna do. And then you don't have to play that catch up that you do, but everybody has this filter, the lymphatic system, and it primarily moves through two mechanisms. I think we talked about this before, but it's important if you don't understand it, it's through physical movement. So the more that you're actually able to physically move of your body in many, many different ways, the, the better you're going to feel overall. I mean, I think that's just a heap dose of the common sense that just got dropped off, right? And then that um, moves the fluid. And then the other one is uh, breathing, breathing through your diaphragm, the muscle that sits in your torso, and just doing those two things, concentrating on those two things. I mean, that's a daily functional habit for your limp that can keep that guy functioning pretty well It just sometimes it's when we, when we said this god this filter's is just like really messed up sometimes you have to clean the filters first and then you move into the breathing and the movements that's why we do the lymphatic mojo because sometimes it's so stuck in the filter that it's you have to help it. you have to do just a little bit more and then you move out into those small things and it's, it's just about that variation and variability of moving, moving yourself. And if you look at humans today, they don't even do those two things. They don't breathe through the diaphragm. They usually breathe mostly through the chest and the shoulders because they breathe mostly through their mouth, their mouth breathers, or they don't breathe at all, which means they're under so much stress that they stop breathing. And then that doesn't move the pump for your uh, lymph in your abdomen. So one of the easiest things you can do is just breathe more through your nose, and you're automatically going to move more fluid in your body just in that one small little hack. Breathe through your nose, not your mouth. And the other one is people don't move. They sit all the time. They're stagnant creatures. And humans were designed to move and to move a lot, and then we don't do that. And I also have people that move, but they keep moving the same way all the time. It's a very repetitive motion, either through their workouts or through work. That can also make you dysfunctional because your body starts to move those fluids around these physical obstacles that your body has put there adapting to how you move, right? So it's kind of like a callus on a hand. You can get calluses inside of your body from tightness or tension that you've adapted to because you do the same type of workout all the time. So fluid has to find a way to move around that. That's why a lot of people feel so much better when they just start to do different types of training routines than they normally do. So if all you do is lift weights, crash crash a yoga class once in a while. If all you do is yoga, pick a heavy weight up off the floor and carry it for a little while. That'll change your life big time. So you just mix things up in there, and then holy cow, the next thing you know, I promise you, if you just did those two things in one month and with their body aquarium thing, you'll be a, you'll be like a different person. That is really that simple.
0: Well, I'm laughing because we all know those are two things a lot of people aren't doing enough of, right? They're not moving enough, and they don't. A lot of people don't even know how to breathe right, you know. Which, brother, yeah. that's a good segue. I I would love for you to speak a little bit about TMS tension, myoneural syndrome. Uh, Oh, sure. I know there's a lot there, but you know, you're talking about breathing and oxygen and things like that. And can you go a little bit into how our body from a survival limbic place, you know, can go into this contraction mode versus expansion and how that's affecting, affecting really fluids.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, TMS, uh, Tension, um, myoneural syndrome, it's got a couple of different terms on it, but um, I'll explain what that term means. And then who the guy who pioneered it, who the guy was an absolute game changer, who was so ahead of his time, it's not even funny. Um, And tension kind of speaks for itself, right? Tension, and how do you get tension in the body? Well, stress is a big one, right? Chronic stress, incessant stress, trauma, also puts you in a state of tension because trauma is a type of stress. And when you start to look at trauma and how it manifests in the body, you will learn that trauma is held in the body as tension. It's a it's a protective response. It's a type of freezing response. Tension. Myo means muscle. Myo. Neural means nerve tension. Myo neural syndrome. Right? Syndrome means it's kind of blanket, can hit it anywhere and everywhere. And the fundamental premise is this: that chronic tension from chronic slash incessant stress, never-ending stress, physical and emotional. Right? <clears throat> but. Tension my neural syndrome is mostly about the emotional aspect of stress. You're always under tension. That tension, tight tissue does not accept fluid flow well. And what's fluid flow? Blood flow, lymphatic flow, right? So the our arteries with what's called the red oxygenated blood going in, and then the venous blood, AKA the blue blood that, that takes stuff out and then the lymph that runs along with it. The way that excess tension decreases blood flow to tissue. And when you decrease blood flow to tissue, you decrease oxygen flow to cells that need it. That's called hypoxia. Hypoxia. And cells need oxygen, and they need nutrients. Guess how you get the nutrients as well? through blood, right? So if you decrease blood flow, you're not getting oxygen, you're not getting nutrients, and so the cells can't get what they need to survive and regenerate and repair and make new ones. And then they start to die, right? or they're using their available energy that they do have, or they'll find another energy process to make it happen called fermentation. which basically means you'll start to rot from the inside out, kind of. And then uh, you're still going to form a lot of waste. So you're not getting oxygen. You're not getting blood flow and you're sitting in waste. So what's going to happen is you're probably not going to feel very good. And then, that can lead to pain, discomfort, uh, dis-ease, dis-ease uh, and what we call inflammation, chronic inflammation in the body. And chronic inflammation in the body is the underlying cause for all symptoms in the body. Whatever name you want to give it, it's all coming down to toxicity and inflammation. I think Dr. Cheryl Rogers says, I don't care what your doctor calls it, it all comes down to toxicity whatever the diagnosis is right <clears throat> so that was from the work of dr john sarno s-a-r-n-o who was a very brilliant medical doctor who uh was the one who helped howard stern i remember when howard stern who had his radio show this was years ago he credited john sarno with healing his low back pain which is very excruciating for him and He got a lot of ribbing and abuse for this one because Sarno's work is all based, there's no, it's not a physiological, biomechanical cause for the low back pain, which means it's, it's not your disc that slipped or your spine that twisted, that ultimately causes the chronic stuff. I'm not saying can't cause acute, but chronic stuff. It was the emotional aspect of chronic stress and tension in the body held and the reason the tissues can't breathe and then the nerves can't get glucose and oxygen, which they need, and so they're going to start to manifest pain. And people thought he was out of his mind because at the time, I mean, they don't even look at the emotional aspects of pain right now in a lot of aspects of health care. This was 15 years ago. They thought he was in the loony bin. But meanwhile, he was on to something. He was like an early pioneer to say you can't separate psychology and physiology from each other. That's the human condition of the the brain. And pain science is actually really catching up with that right now about um, how the brain is tied to that survival response. So basically the way it works is is this. So we, we know that the brain's primary objective is it doesn't want to be dead. That's pretty high up on the list, right? Like, whatever we do today, guys, let's not die. How about that, right? And then it uses any strategy that it can think of to make it happen. Is whatever it needs to do in the moment. The brain lives in the moment. It doesn't live for anything else right now. But what it decides to do in the moment is based on – the information that it's used all the way up to that moment. So your past stories, your past perceptions of things that have happened to you, uh, make a difference on what it decides to do or whether it gets information or doesn't get information, right? It can get information that's reliable or unreliable. And then it has to make a decision on that. And so it's a survival response. So here's, here's how I look at it. So let's think, I use this term all the time, let's think like your brain, right? So if I know that my brain doesn't want to be dead and it doesn't like pain either and it doesn't like hard work and it likes to conserve energy and it will cheat any chance it gets to make something easier for you, right? And it here's a really big one. It always looks at the negative of everything first. It's designed to look at the worst case scenario, negative scenario first, because that's a survival instinct. So we're programmed to be pessimistic, not optimistic. And you better hope you get that right, because if you get it wrong once in nature, you're dead, right? So it uses like this, let's think now of, Cells can't get oxygen. Cells can't get blood flow and they can't get nutrients. I don't know about you, but that's pretty high up on a list of survival right there. Think about all these trillions of cells, right? Let's even say a couple of million that are not getting what they need. That's a life threat survival mechanism. And when you're under threat like that, your first response is to actually cause more tension. So it feeds itself like this way, and you stay in tension, you stay in tension, and it feeds uh, not moving, immobility. And then it's a vicious cycle that begins to happen. That's why I'm going to be honest with you. The biggest transformation in the work that I do has been one to deal with the emotional aspects of someone's pain that they've been dealing with in their life but also making sure that i can do whatever i need to do to restore that fluid flow to those tissues of the body that have that problem of decreased oxygen and nutrients and waste And once again, it comes right back to what I've already been saying about the lymphatic system because the lymphatic system hooks directly into your cardiovascular system. So the two work together. So if I can begin to increase that fluid flow dynamics and then begin to deal with some of that emotional aspects of um, the pain, then somebody can, can start to turn that corner. And here's the cool thing. Most of, this is based on my experience of working with people, my personal experience, and also studying trauma, how the body reacts to trauma over many years. Uh, I've noticed most of the stored tension, most of the stored emotions are locked in the front of the body. They're locked in the space between your throat and the navel in that region. This central spot here. This is the spot from the throat down. You can even go down to the pubic bone all the way down towards the bottom. Because a lot of people have had uh, sexual trauma, emotional uh, sexual abuse, and then you'll store a lot of tension there from the, the abuse. But you'll store it up top in the throat, too, uh, from that. And uh, so you'll, you'll hold massive tension in the front. But here's the interesting part. Most people don't feel any pain in the throat to the pubic bone. They feel it everywhere else. The neck, the shoulder, the elbow, wrist. The back, the low back, the hips, the knee, the ankle, hamstrings, quad, you name it. It's the periphery that kicks into play. Um they, here's they don't feel it until you have people like us that start to look there for it. And I use this phrase all the time is that part of part of my work is and with my examination is this. I'm trying to find the pain that you don't know about that's causing the pain that won't leave you alone. So what I mean by that is this. Let's take low back for example. Low back is on low back issues are on the rise, they're not going down. And then most people will attack the back. And I would too, if you just came in to see me right off the street, I'd look at your back and I'm gonna treat your back because it hurts. But I'm also in my world, I'm gonna flip you over and I'm gonna look in the front. And then most people might not look in the front because it doesn't hurt in the front. right? Or I don't expect an everyday person to look in the front because they won't put the puzzle pieces together but I'll look in the front and then I'll start pressing in the front around the sternum and the ribs and the abdomen and the navel. And it's when you do it, you can see the response from people. They're shocked at how painful it actually is to the touch. And they had no idea that it hurt. But you'll also see the physiological reaction to of the person to you going there. It, it's almost like when you look at their eyes and you look at their face and you look at their body language, they look so vulnerable. They look so scared. They look uh, uh, so much of an unknown is there. The, the nervous system starts to really freak out a little bit. That's an emotional Response. That's an emotional reaction that happens. And when I treat people now, that's the biggest thing that I go for is when I see that type of reaction to an area that I go to, that usually means that's the biggest driver that I need to be looking at. And in, in my work, I think the most important space, real estate on the human body is from the navel up to the top of the sternum, without question, without question. It might not be an issue for someone. I don't think I've found it yet, honestly. I haven't found one person yet that it hasn't been an issue for, uh, because that's why they're coming to see me, because they're kind of a mess. Uh, So I always find some role with that. So I'll mix that with the back part. And when you look at Eastern medicine, that front area between your navel and the bottom of your sternum is where you hold most of your emotional tension and trauma in the body. And I know I've been going for a while. Can I go on for like two more minutes? Go go on, man. (laughs) And if if you think about the safety protection response, When life is really coming at you hard, or let's say somebody is starting to physically assault you, your first instinct would be what? To run, right? What if you can't run? Well, then your next instinct is protection. right? And that's where people curl into a fetal ball. Knees come high, right? Straight up, you curl in, you round in the back, the elbows come together, the head flexes forward, you curl inwards. Where does all the tension go? It goes right in the center of your abdomen. Right in that one spot, that curl spot. So wherever you flex forward in fetal position, that's the sweet spot of emotional tension. And it just so happens that that's where the largest lymph node in your body sits, called your cisterna Kylia, right next to where your diaphragm attaches to that region. And you have many different nerve plexi. Nerve plex, they're plexus of nerves where nerves come together in these big groups. And you've got three different ones. I'm not going to name them because the names don't mean anything, but like three circles that stack on top of each other from the bottom of your sternum down to your navel. And those nerves in that region, were all tension, tension, tension. You get the tension in there, I'm going to do what? I'm gonna decrease fluid flow in what? I'm gonna decrease fluid flow in my largest lymph node in the body that sits right there, so I'm gonna get stagnation everywhere. And I'm going to decrease blood flow in my aorta, which is the biggest blood flow that gives you blood supply everywhere in your body. I'm going to decrease venous flow in your vena cava, which is the return blood back to the heart from the toxins that need to get out there. I'm going to stick everything right there in a big mass of swelling and inflammation and lack of circulation. You can bet that you're going to feel some stuff in your back on that one without question, right? And the nerves that are in your back actually come out of the front anyway, and they go to the back. So that's the area that I go to, but it, it doesn't hurt there. It hurts everywhere else. And I want you to think about this for a moment, why that is, because if that's central spot, that's the main area for fluid flow in the entire body. Up, down, out, front, back, you name it. And I'm going to lock that down. So then I'm going to get decreased blood flow in my arms and my legs. And then that's the person who's going to come on in with musculoskeletal pain, for sure, without a doubt, right? And that's what happens in life, because in life, many many people feel trapped. Or if they've been in trauma, they feel trapped. And they feel like they can't run away. They can't. Escape just like when somebody's beating on you. So, if you feel like you can't do that, what's the position that you see people in when they're depressed and tired and fatigued and lost hope? They're rounded forward, they're drooping, and they're tense and they're tight. They're not standing tall, they're not rotated out, they're not up into an extension, opening their front of the body up to the world because that's more vulnerability. So I've looked at it this way in in my mind, that I always go back to like think like the brain and protection. I think that the body says to itself, listen, you're stronger than you think you are. And I know you can deal with pain. But pain in the front of body is some seriously painful stuff, man. If you have abdominal pain you're gonna tap out quick fast and a hurry oh if you've ever had it. Um, so body says I- I'm gonna protect you from that, but I'm gonna send some to your low back. It's gonna suck, but we can deal with that part because I- I'm gonna send you pain in the back because I know you can deal with that but because we got to protect the front. That's how I look at it. So on my world, Back pain is a protective response for the front of the body. So I'm going to treat the back, but I'm also going to treat the front. Always, 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 always. Did I say always yet? So it's something. But one of the things that I think has really helped me with um, working with people is I stopped thinking of anatomy and physiology and, and body parts and Things that I would read somewhere. I mean, I, I learned those things, so I know what I'm I'm talking about in relationship to what things are. But I started to just step back, and then I think to myself, what's what's the brain thinking here? Like, what's the brain thinking? What's the body thinking here? Why why is it choosing to do this? And you real when you realize, I posted on my Instagram today. When you realize that it's always just trying to protect you. It's just trying to survive, and it's always trying to heal. Always, even though it doesn't appear that way. When you look at it like that, that changes the lens of how you treat. That changes the lens of what you look for. And that's why I really can't stand the language in Western medicine, because it's very adversarial from attack, kill, destroy, Um, from there. I mean, that's just awful, toxic language in relationship to Eastern medicine, which is all about balance and harmony, right? And energy. We're going out for the same thing, but man, the words I'm choosing are making a big difference on how I'm going to look at things, how I'm going to integrate things, and also uh, how my client is going to interpret things. So I know I rambled on for like a super long time, but when you say – When you look at my hierarchy of the chart, which I know you've got behind you on your wall, number one, I'm looking at it right now. Number one says brain is number one. There you go. Uh, TMS, right next to it, tension myoneural syndrome, which is chronic physical and emotional stress. That's number one that we go after. And then all the way at the bottom of my chart is number nine. And number nine is local tissue. That's where you point and say, it hurts right here. In my world, that's the least important thing that I'm looking at. I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to treat it there, because you expect me to treat it, because if I don't treat it, you're, you're not going to get well, because you don't think I'm addressing your area of complaint. So that's, that's uh, very, very important. So I'm going to start there, but I'm going to start at the top, and I'm going to work these ends towards each other and i'm going to keep it in context here as well i'm talking more from a perspective of chronic pain so that's the world that i deal with pain that just doesn't seem to get better or keeps coming back i'm not talking about acute traumatic pain when you have that you know, if your arm's hanging off, you're not going to come see me for tension myoneural syndrome. You're going to go get your arm put back on and then you'll come see me afterwards because that's a little bit of trauma. So, you know, you know where your role is played in the schema of things because we all have that role. But you'll notice that acute trauma usually ends up becoming what? Chronic pain. <clears throat> Chronic pain because once, once that trauma gets sealed up and then they take you and make sure that your flat line is not flat anymore and then you're not dead, their job's done. You know, then that's when you go over into the next thing and then that's what we take over. And then so there's always gonna be there's always gonna be some emotional connection to chronic pain. That's what makes us human beings. That's what makes us human beings. And it's usually deep inside the brain at the 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 bottom part that you talked about, with that that limbic part, that brainstem part, not the part in front that is where we think logically. Like logical thinking doesn't play a role in emotion-based pain. Right. That's that's why it's emotional. <laughs> so you know, the front of the brain is is designed to try to quiet that back part of the brain through logic, but uh, once that begins to overtake it, logic won't do it anymore,
1: logic won't do it anymore. It's amazing. Perry, I mean, there's, there's always like this like magnification of information that happens at some point as you speak and, and as you started to tie in like the, the emotional body into the physical, I just really feel like that's going to anchor so deeply for people, and um, it's such powerful information. And I mean, it's funny thing is we've just scratched the surface here <laughs> with the stuff that you that you have the capacity to share and the simplicity with which you share. share. But the, um, I, I think you've said this before. The the body sure is uh, a complex system but it doesn't have to be complicated. And I, mean, I think those are your words. I'm pretty sure I heard you say that. And I love how you were able to to take that understanding. And I have so many thoughts that are coming from the teaching you have, but we're just going to have to pause that for the next time because um, uh, we're coming to the top of our, our hour here. So I've got to uh,
0: uh, talk so about <laughs> <I was
1: like, laughs> no,
2: amazing
0: no <laughs> oh, man i mean that's everything i wanted to hear today man yeah I mean, you're totally. so good at speaking to it and like i said we'll probably have to get you on again because i'm gonna take your next fluid force systems workshop so i'll probably have a million questions more for you in the future but uh, uh
2: yeah cool yeah, that one for sure and we touched on some of those concepts it's basically about the, uh, freeing up fluid in the body to be able to move so it's just a lot about vascular flow and blood flow. And I mean, you got a big one that I told you about already, just the space between your belly button and your sternum.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, can I speak to that real quick? So I, huge, I gotta, Yeah, I got to tell some stories real quick on that one. So the J-cup, right, when you do the umbrella. Yeah, J-hook, yeah. So I, I took Perry's, uh, the the body Aquarium lymph mojo course, and at the back end of his workshop, he talks about some of the work we do with the lymphatics, but he did teach us – a piece of this that affects pressure in the body. And yeah. and correct me if I'm not teaching this right, Perry, but so I've been using it on my patients, even for people that just are coming in with low back pain. Mm. Like a lot of and I'll go in there and muscle test and check and when it shows up, I go in there and I do the J Cup and I release it. And it's incredible that people get up off the table, man, and they're like, oh my back pain's like gone. Yeah. And all I'm doing is changing pressure, like Perry's saying, like and, and fluid's starting to move, right? And it's such, I mean it's just one one point that I'm addressing. And I would you say there's seven different points in the body, seven different parts of the body that, that exchanges pressure. So it's such yeah. an important piece, man. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one, man. I'm I'm really excited for that. Um Nick, do you have any other yeah, questions? That's good, uh, man? Uh, that's, uh,
2: that's I've awesome. got a thousand
1: more questions.
2: That. That's that's
1: you got a thousand more squash- questions, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, we just, we have to uh, make that for another episode. Well, fortunately too, for, for us and for all those that are listening. And um, so Perry, I mean, we want to make sure that uh, people can access all your information. I know we shared it before, but stopchasingpain.com, the brilliant name. Yeah. Um, you're all over social media sharing such amazing information. This isn't just for doctors, it's for everybody. Is there anything else you want to share um, about how people can access your information?
2: Well, thank you very much, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to come back anytime. I'm sure I'll have something else to say. Um, yeah, easy. Go to the com. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, I'm on Instagram the most. Um, not really on Facebook so much, so. Just for people that you know, if you do go to Facebook, there is a Stop Chasing Pain thing there, but that's not me. That page used to be mine, but it was unfortunately uh, hacked uh, weeks ago. So that's not me when you see that. So I'm going to be starting another one soon um, for that one. But if you go to Instagram and you go to the StopChasingPain.com, you can reach out to me directly. And if you message there, on Instagram, I'll get back to you because I'm the only one who does my Instagram as well. And, uh, easiest way. And then, uh, you'll, you'll find a couple of rabbit holes that you can, (laughs) you can, you can go down. I got different ways that people can learn from all different levels from beginner to advanced.
1: Yeah awesome thank i highly so
0: recommend the memberships on your website man because i'm a member on your website and the content is incredible and you got so much content man but it's amazing stuff so perry thank you again man very very blessed to get to spend time with you like this uh very very grateful for you man big
2: time did up, guys thank you so very much it's been a pleasure I had a ton of fun